That cat is a hero, isn't it? It's, it's great to uh, cheer for the underdog, right? You can see really that cat's not much of an under, I guess under cat. Um, but it's, it's neat to watch that. And this past week, uh, the reason I thought of this clip, even though I'd seen it before, uh, the cat was honored and recognized uh, with the same level of recognition as uh, goes to uh, military dogs and police dogs that are honored for their bravery. And so this cat, I think, is the first cat. Sorry, Debbie, I'm sure cats have won all kinds of awards. But this cat is probably the first cat ever to be honored in this kind of way. And a few weeks ago, the cat, um, Tara, by the way, is the cat's name. Tara threw out the first pitch at, I don't know, some baseball game and uh, threw a curveball. Hairball. Sorry. Just wanted to make sure you're with me this morning. But it's great to cheer on when you see something like that. You see a, a, a bully that is being pushed back or defied and conquered by something that really on the outward appearance isn't supposed to have that kind of power. And it's amazing to watch that and we all cheer that. We love the story of the underdog, don't we? Whether it's a football team or a hockey team or a baseball team, whatever it is, we love to see that. And it is the stuff of great books and great movies, great fishing tales, whatever. We love to do that. And that's the story that we hear here in Scripture today. It was a long story and there's a lot more to it than we had time to hear today. But I hope that you'll keep your Bible open there to First Samuel chapter 17. We were in chapter 16 last week as we heard more about David and how David was chosen and anointed to be king. And uh, just this, this whole selection process, uh, how David was the underdog then. He was not the one that Jesse, his father, thought was going to be king. He was not the one that Eliab and Shema and the other brothers, the other seven brothers, thought would become king. They strutted and walked by and and really tried to look like they were going to be the one that Samuel, Samuel would choose. But it wasn't. They weren't. Samuel knew that God was going to select someone else. And so as they went down the line... It got to David, the youngest of the the brothers, the weakest of the brothers, and yet God chose him to become king. Well, we see David here uh, much at work as he is uh, just still uh, a young boy. And we see this story about his coming out as a tremendous hero uh, for Israel. So if you look again here, you'll, you'll see just these two armies that are coming together and there's this valley in between and there is warfare that is going back and forth. There's a lot of talk and discussion and you see Goliath coming onto the scene. It was not unusual back then for two different armies to put forth an individual to fight out the battle for the rest of the nation. It was saying pretty much, you pick your best Uh, warrior, we'll pick our best warrior, 
And instead of the rest of us having to go to battle, we will watch them. And whoever wins this battle will take uh, everything and will be the conqueror. And so that's what's going on here. And the Philistines had, had really no problem at all with this method of battle. They understood that no one was going to beat Goliath. And uh, Kyle was right on with the measurements there, uh, at least as, as I've always heard it, about nine feet tall. Huge and truly a giant. Even uh, today we, we know that um, there are a lot of tall people. And we think back then about uh, how people were much shorter, or at least that's our understanding uh, in history. But uh, this guy was probably the tallest anyone had ever seen. And he had all of this armor on. Uh, I've heard that if you take the shekels and you do all the measurements, basically he had about 125 pounds of armor on. The very best of armor back then. And he had a helmet on that would protect his head. He had this uh, huge, like uh, some have said, seven foot long sword that he could wield and he could do whatever he wanted with. And so Goliath was somebody who had, uh, had lived his entire life as a bully, as a warrior for his people. And so he comes out and he taunts Israel and taunts Saul and says, uh, you know, you guys, why don't you get somebody to come out and fight uh, me? And when, when he comes out to fight me, if he's able to beat me, then he can take over. He will be the ruler, we'll, we'll just be your servants at that point. Goliath really didn't ever think that he could lose a battle. And so there is this conversation that's going on. There's a scramble that's happening here. As they're all, uh, Saul is trying to find out who is it that's going to do it. Who can we pick? We don't have anybody that's nine foot tall. We don't have anyone that has that kind of armor and that kind of strength. And so they begin to look at who that could be. Well, during this time, as there's a lot of other stuff going on in the passage of time, uh, Jesse decides that he needs to send food and, and some resources to his sons that are up on the, the battle lines. And so he takes David, who is still out keeping sheep. I mean, that's what David does. He's, he's young. He's small and really doesn't belong in battle. And so he says, David, I want you to go and take all this stuff to uh, your brothers and make sure they're taken care of because they're big, they're strong, and they need to fight and they need to have what they uh, require to do so. So David goes and while he's there, he hears the, uh, the talk and the taunt that's coming from Goliath. And so David's just unnerved about all of this. He's very upset. And he says, Saul, I will do that. Sign me up. I will go and I'll take down Goliath. And you know that they just laughed. Really? David, you're just a young guy. There's no way that you could do this. You can't even really fit into the armor that we do have. How is it that you could do this? And David says, look, I've been a shepherd. And I have seen all kinds of things out there. And so he talks about uh, this bear that comes after him. And he's able to destroy and, and defend his sheep from the bear. 
And then he talks about the lion. And I love the description there. He, he grabs the lion's beard and he's able to take on and to whip that, that uh, lion that's coming after him. It reminds me of some of the stories we read about from Teddy Roosevelt and others. These uh, great hunting stories and all of this um, bravery and courage. It's a, a very manly kind of thing. And this is a great text for Father's Day, I think. And so David is describing, and he's probably embellishing a little bit here, but he's able to take on whatever it is that comes his way, that he is full of courage and bravery, and that he could do this. He believes because what God has done for him in the past, out there in the wilderness, this guy would be no match for him. He had every bit of faith in God. And so finally, they decide that they will let him do it. And so... Uh, Saul gets the, uh, all the equipment and the armor and puts it on him. And so you kind of get this image. And I was looking for an image. I, I couldn't find one. All of them are of David holding a head. I didn't think that was too <laughs> appropriate to put on here today. But you see him walking. Uh, you can just kind of imagine him walking with all this armor. It's twice as long as he is. And it's heavy. It's weighing him down. And he's got the sword And he can barely even pick up the sword. He's walking along and it's very awkward and uncomfortable. And so David says, look, this isn't going to work. I'm going to take all this off and I can do much better without it. And so what David is left with is what uh, probably was attached to his belt, something that he knew very well that he used, whether it was to hunt or to defend his sheep. And it was a slingshot. And that's all he has. So here is David with no armor and just a slingshot going up against Goliath with all of his armor and everything that he has. And you would think this is going to be a slaughter. And I'm sure everyone was thinking that. And Goliath certainly thought that because he begins to, uh, to taunt David and begins to talk, uh, you know, just trash to him and say, there's no way you can do it. And what we see right in the midst of all of that, as all of this is going on, David bends down and he picks up. And I I think I would pick up like some real jagged rocks. You know, something that is uh, really going to do some damage when it hits somebody. He picks up five smooth stones, it says. And they're very strategic stones for David. David knew about rocks. He knew how to get one to really go through the air. He had perfect aim and was able to do all kinds of things with his slingshot. So he picks it up, gets the rock, and he takes aim and is able to hit Goliath in just the right spot to bring him down. Hits him right between the eyes. And so we see David, uh, or Goliath, At that point, falling down, losing the battle. David is able to do all kinds of things. Not because of his size, not because of his armor, not because of his great intelligence or any of that. David was able to depend on God to do what God had called him to do. And we see this happening as he brings down this giant. This is a great story, and I'm sure that you've heard it in lots of different ways and with lots of different applications. 
Uh, and it is something that is important to us. And I think it's a story that is meaningful to us, even though it is extremely violent. It is a story that, that we can learn from because we have giants of all kinds, don't we? There are all kinds of things that we face as we go about our daily activities, as we go to work, as you go to school, as you go out into your neighborhood and into our society. There are all kinds of things that are daunting around us and that taunt us in ways that degrade us and push us down. And as we look at our lives, we see that we really don't have much that we can do about that. There's not much that that we can do to be able to defend ourselves, much less defend the people who are around us. I wonder, what are the giants that you're dealing with right now? Maybe it is a person. Maybe it's someone, they might as well be nine feet tall because of, of how big they are compared with how you feel about yourself or how you may actually be physically. It may be someone who is talking trash to you. Seems like these days we call them bullies, right? And that's what they are. We have trouble with bullies in our schools. There's always, there have always been bullies. And we've really not come up with any great ways of dealing with them. Because typically the things that we do... Um, end up creating more violence. And and so we wonder, how is it that we're to deal with someone who comes against us, whether it's on the playground or in business or in our relationships? We have all kinds of giants that we deal with in our relationships, don't we? People who push you around and seek to do away with you. How do you deal with that? Well, David dealt with it out of his relationship with God. He trusted in God and he looked to God for the ability and the strength to do what he needed to do. I'm just thinking about giants that we face here in our society. This past week, the um, shootings that took place in Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston. Unbelievable. Think about it right now. If someone were to walk in here, right here in a very intimate time, this is worship. We are sharing in each other's lives. We are talking to God. We are singing. We are praying for the needs of our community. And someone that we have welcomed in, we've never seen before, welcomed in, comes and sits next to the pastor on the front pew. After all of that wonderful time of worship and fellowship, takes out a gun and starts shooting. This was not just any person. And we do a disservice to all mentally ill when we say this guy was just crazy. This guy must have been out of his head. No, he was a racist, a white supremacist, someone who. Uh, believed that uh, white people were better than black people. This is a huge problem. It's a problem we continue to see and deal with. Seems like week after week there is something coming up in the news. 
And there are people all across our nation, not just in Charleston, they're saying something's got to happen. How is it that the white community could let this kind of thing go on, to let these people spew this kind of venom, whether it's out in the World Wide Web or in societies and clubs within their communities? How is it that we could allow them to fly a flag that has the, the sim, sim, uh, symbolic value of hatred, even though it has a lot of other meanings to people in the South, for people who are black, I'm sorry, they see it in a completely different way. They don't see love or pride or heritage. They see slavery, racism, and oppression. And the pictures that we see of this guy, I'm going to say man, but that doesn't really seem to register in my mind. (laughs) Our pictures of him with these symbols behind him. This is a giant. This issue of racism and hatred in our community and, uh, and all the other things that go with it need to be dealt with. And who better to deal with it than the church? What are we going to say about it? What does Jesus have to do with any of this? Well, Jesus has everything to do with this, doesn't He? And this is a huge giant that we're dealing with. It's not just racism, it is racialization. It is a system that exists in our nation that continues to exist in the systems that we have created. And even though in a church like ours where we are multicultural, multi-ethnic, we are so diverse in every way, we have to understand that there are blind spots that we have as whites, as blacks, as gay, as straight, as rich and poor. There are lots of blind spots that we have. And we must continue to come together and work together in a true sense of community. Getting to know each other and listening to one another and not assuming things about one another so that we can be stronger and we can model for the rest of this community and for this world what it looks like for God's children, black, white, red, yellow, whatever, to come together and be God's children in this world. That love conquers hate. That God's plan for the world It's not that we live in a violent existence with one another. It is not that we think we're better than the other person because we have a different pigment of skin or that we have different resources or that we live in a different part of the city. Because that's not going to cut it. You and I will be responsible to a God who transcends color. To a God who transcends gender Political differences, whatever it is. And I believe God will say, what did you do about it? Church, what did you do to make your community better? What kind of salt did you bring into your world? So that's a big giant, isn't it? But we have these other giants that exist in our lives. What are we going to do about it? God wants us to look 
not at all the things that we can get to uh, be able to build walls around ourselves, but he wants us to look at whatever it is that he's given us. For David, it was a slingshot. And if you'll look at your life, you may not think you have much to defend yourself against all of the craziness of our society and the, the people and the issues that bring problems and challenges into your life. And some of you are dealing with those in ways that I can't even imagine. But God knows, and God has and will equip you to be able to face the giants of your life. I love that picture, that video of the cat. That that dog has nothing on that cat. That's a big, ugly dog. But he's got nothing on that cat. Your giants... And the giants in our society are big and ugly. But they've got nothing on you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the power that you give us. Even though we are small, even though that we at times feel weak, help us to be like David, full of courage and full of faith. Naive enough to believe that you can do all things if we trust in you. I pray that you would help us, God, to face our giants. That we would see that the ills of our society, the hatred of other people, the bullies in our individual lives are no match for you. We thank you for Jesus Christ who came to model for us what it looks like to stand up against the injustices and oppression of our world. Help us to become more like Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.